Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 44 is entitled, What is Idol Worship? The children of Israel were not to worship Pharaoh. They were not to worship Moses or Aaron, and they were not to worship iconic images. They were to worship an invisible God and forbade the Israelites from allowing anything, even religious icons, to come between them and Jehovah. Hence the clause, I am a jealous God. Remember the story of the brass serpent Moses held up when the children of Israel were being killed by the fiery flying serpents? And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Numbers 21, 8-9 It was intended that the object remind the children of Israel of Christ being lifted up upon the cross. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three thirteen through 16 However, when they turn to idol worship, Rather than the brass serpent reminding them of Christ being lifted up upon the cross, they began to worship the image of the brass serpent. It was no different than any other idol made of wood or stone or metal. Rather than reminding them of God, it replaced God. They worshiped the thing created rather than the creator. King Hezekiah was blessed when he destroyed the brass serpent. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places, and brake the images, and cut down the groves, and brake in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. Second Kings 18.3-6 To the minds of Western Christians, idol worship seems foreign, something they would never do, but the story above illustrates the subtle attraction of idols. It isn't always easy to worship an invisible God. We, after all, are tangible beings, weighted down by gravity and stalked by red-toothed entropy. We live in the valley of the shadow of death, and we like personification. How many of us carried a rabbit's foot in our pocket as a child, or wore a lucky charm, or developed odd habits to ward off superstitions? Do you knock on wood? pour salt over your right shoulder? Religious observance and superstition wear the same clothes. Isn't that the lesson the Israelites learned? All they had to do was to look up at the image of the fiery serpent and they would be healed. 
The serpent, even today, is a symbol of healing in the medical profession. It was intended to remind them of Christ being lifted up upon the cross. But how easy was it for them to transfer the healing power from faith in Christ to the image itself? It was that transference that changed the brass serpent from a symbol of faith to an idol of worship, holding magical powers. I suppose that any object that comes between us and our God becomes an idol. We assume that there is a difference between idols that are worshipped, such as the brass serpent above, and idols that simply draw our attention away from God, such as gold and silver and diamonds and other precious jewels. Is it not a kind of idol when we put our faith in money, in science, in our own genius and talents, and in other things while ignoring God completely? What is the real difference? A gold coin or gold bar has no more power than a gold idol. Yet, if it is the object of our love and faith rather than God, Regardless of its shape, is it not a kind of idol? If chance is seen as our creator, then chance is our idol. If gold is seen as our savior, then gold is our idol. If luck is seen as our source of success, then luck is our idol. Idol worship for me is when we transfer our allegiance or our faith or our love to the created rather than to the creator. Whether it is created by the hand of God, such as the earth, moon, sun, or stars, or whether it is created by the hands of men, such as great works of art. It is the same. God is a resurrected being. He remains invisible for a reason. We can never know him in our hearts if we can only see him through our senses. The eyes of our understanding will bring us closer to God than the eyes of our body. The eyes of the body are connected to the brain. The eyes of our understanding are connected to the spirit. The Holy Ghost does not whisper into our ears. The Holy Ghost whispers into our hearts and into our souls. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. 1 Kings 19.11-12 I think that the idols of this multitudinous world that pose the greatest threat to Christians are not the idols that are carved out of clay, stone, or metal, but the idols carved out of our desires that block the still small voice. I love the story in the New Testament where a woman was healed by touching the hem of Christ's garment as recorded in Matthew. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him, and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Matthew nine twenty through 22 The woman was not healed by the robe. She was healed by Christ. The same story is recorded in Mark, but with a slightly different twist. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, 
but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Mark five twenty four through 34 Christ felt virtue leave his body meaning that he felt the healing power leave him and enter into the woman. He declared to her, Thy faith hath made thee whole. In other words, her faith in him, not in his garments. The story above is a footnote to an even larger story. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. While yet he spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the turmoil, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he had come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which in being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Mark five twenty-two through 43 The message is that our faith must be centered on Christ. No doubt that even in our age the garment would have sold at auction for a huge price. In the Middle Ages, holy relics were sold for what was considered by the superstitious their healing powers. Anything is an idol that draws our attention from Christ and takes power unto itself. May we all be more like King Hezekiah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places and break the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. How the world would change 
if we all did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.